Regardless of where today finds you, when you look back over your life, when you were a kid, what did you think about when you thought about God? I know for me, I don't think I gave much thought about who God was and what I had to do with that until I was around five. And I remember around this time, my family still attended church. So I remember uh, sometimes when we went to church, I remember different teachings that would kind of stand out to me. My name is Jonah, so I have a, a name that's found in the Bible. So growing up, I heard a lot of people reference the book of Jonah in the Bible a lot whenever they would refer to me. And I remember specifically in the book of Jonah, uh, there was a large fish that swallowed Jonah. Uh, God called Jonah to go to this like crazy wicked place called Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to go to that crazy wicked place called Nineveh. And he ran away. He went the complete opposite direction. He's on a boat and the Lord sends a storm to try to wake Jonah up, not only literally, but also like spiritually, like to wake him up and to remind him of, of not only who the Lord is, but also what he called Jonah to do. And long story short, Jonah does not want to obey God even then, and he just throws himself overboard. So he throws himself overboard to sea. He's in the sea, and he's just sinking down, as you would imagine if you threw yourself overboard in the middle of a sea. And as he's sinking down, the Lord sends his big fish to swallow Jonah, and in the fish, Jonah has a change of heart, (laughs) as I think many of us would if we deserve death, but then we were like given grace and we were like, okay, 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 I get it, I get it, I get it. And so growing up, I heard a lot about, you know, Jonah and the well or Jonah and the great fish. And I think that was just something that kind of got me a little curious about like, okay, well, like who is God and like, what is the Bible and what does this have to do with me? I just remember around age five, that was pretty much when I started thinking about God. And for me, I thought about God the most at night. And I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast. I don't know if I've really talked about this much with people. But there's this weird thing that I would do as a little kid to try to somehow see God or communicate to God. And what I would do, I would take the palms of my hand, um, or sometimes even the, the fingers of my hand, and I would dig it into my eyes. And when you do this hard enough and long enough, you almost start seeing different things as a result of the pressure that you're putting on your eyelids. And so behind your eyes, you're seeing like like colors and there's just this like, I don't know what the word is, but it's just a kind of a side effect of the pressure that you're putting on your eyes. And I am pretty sure that I damaged my eyes as a result of this. And I kind of beat myself up now of like, man, what Jonah, what were you thinking, bro? Like, that's probably why I have to have glasses now because I like damaged my eyes. But I remember as a kid at night, sometimes I would do this because I thought that by doing this, I could see God or talk to God. And I remember doing this so many times around that time at night or early in the morning. And just looking back at that, it it just blows my mind that even as a kid, I was trying to figure out and, and just understand 
who is my maker and who am I? Around that time as well, I remember around age five, age six, my parents enrolled me into a private school. And this was the only year of my life all the way through high school that I was at a private school. There was a day at recess where I got in a fight with one of my closest friends at that time, and her name was Riley. And so me and Riley, we get in this argument, and we're telling each other that we hate one another. And we go back inside of class, and I remember going to use the restroom, and I didn't lock the door behind me. But I'm in this restroom, and during that time, there was a restroom that was attached to your classroom. And so I'm there in the restroom, and I was using the restroom, and in comes Riley. And I remember not really thinking much about it because I was like a little kid, and you know I still had this like innocence that I didn't really think anything. And I, I had two older brothers at home. I had like a, a little sister, and often when we use the restroom, we'll just like keep the door open. So I didn't have the door open, but I, I didn't think of it as weird that like Riley walked into the bathroom. So she walks into the bathroom and she starts to apologize about what happened at recess. And looking back, it's just such a like a cute memory, cute story. And I remember like sitting on the toilet and like just turning to my right and talking to Riley. I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. And then in that moment, the teacher walks in. And again, this is at a private Christian school. And the teacher starts freaking out. Like she has this guy with his pants down sitting on the toilet and this girl standing by the sink talking to this guy who's practically naked. And remember the teacher freaking out. And I remember the look on Riley's face of just like kind of like shock, but then also just like, oh, oh, you know, crap, I shouldn't be here. And I remember after that, my my teacher told me and Riley that she called our parents and that they were on their way to pick us up. And during this time in our family, it was very, it was very tense. There's a lot of uh, physical aggression, and I remember when the teacher said that your 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 mom is on her way. I remember being so just like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, like this is not going to be good. And I remember immediately trying to rack my head of like, okay, what did I do? And like, what, what do I tell my mom, you know? And I didn't really know what I did. The teacher didn't really tell me. I just figured that because I was in the bathroom with a girl, that th there's something wrong about that. So my mom comes, and to my surprise, my mom isn't like upset with me. And I remember that just kind of catching me off guard. And I remember we went to the car, and my mom just asked me, she said, Jonah, do you know who Jesus is? And I remember just being like, oh my goodness, is this like a trick question, you know? Like, and I, I just, it's so crazy how like we process as a kid and we can like remember how we processed as a kid. And I remember just telling my mom like, yeah, like we've been talking about him at school. And she proceeded to ask me, well, hey, have you ever asked Jesus to be God of your life? Not just, you know, God of the universe, not just knowing about that, but have you ever asked him to be God of your life? And I remember telling my mom no, and she proceeded to kind of tell me the ABCs. And the A is admitting that you are a sinner, admitting that you are not perfect, you have flaws. Uh, B, believing that Jesus died on the cross. And so there's the admit, there's believe, and then there's confess. 
confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God. And in the car, I remember it, like I was kind of like standing in the car as my mom was sitting down and we did the ABCs together and I prayed what's usually referred to as a sinner's prayer. And I just remember in that moment, my mom like celebrating with me and she was like, Jonah, Jonah, you did it. You did it. You did it. You're a Christian now. And I remember then just being like excited with her because I was like, yes, like for one, I'm not getting in trouble. And two, like, yeah, this is pretty cool. You know, this is awesome. Like something special just happened. And then going on in life, though, when I when I think about what did I think about God as a child, as I grew older, it was almost like a, a checklist. I thought of God as like a checklist. And it was like, okay, well, I had a moment when I was young and I'm good. Like I've done a chore, basically. And as I got older, as I went through middle school and high school, when I think about God, I, I think I thought of God as more of an inconvenience that got in the way of me doing what I wanted to do or even being what, who I wanted to be. And I again, I didn't really give much thought to God. I got past that stage of trying to dig my fingers into my eyes in order for me to see God and got past that stage. And I didn't do that as I got older. But I just remember I didn't really think much about God. The only thing I could think about growing up that I thought about God was that when I would be in the car with my dad, he would listen to music, a radio station that was centered around Jesus. And I remember many of these songs just like really kind of provoking me to really think about God and to think about like, wow, you know, like what this artist is saying is something that is resonating with me. I remember a song around that time and I've shared it before in this podcast, but it's a song by Nicole Nordeman, and the name of the song was Holy. And there's a line in the song where she says, how many half-empty truths did I bear witness to till the truth was disproved in the end? How many lies did I bear witness to till the truth was disproved in the end? And she's just going over her life, and she's saying, through it all, all that matters is that you are holy and you have led me through life to get me to this spot where all that I have left is that I'm on my knees crying out, Lord, you are holy. And for some reason, that song, even as a teenager, even as a young kid, it just hit me. And there was something genuine about what she was saying and this God that she was talking about that just would kind of provoke me to kind of ask myself, like, God, where are you? And I remember growing up, every time I would, you know, make a CD or have like an MP3 player at that time, MP3 players were like huge. I would I would somehow try to find this song and put it on there. And I didn't really like music that was quote unquote Christian. I felt like it was kind of cheesy. I didn't really get it. I remember one of the parts about going to church as I was growing up all the way pretty much through high school, one of the parts of church that I did not understand and I did not like was worship. I did not understand it. It just seemed so shallow and so fake to me. And I remember as a kid, like looking around when I would be at church and seeing people singing or raising their hands. And I was, I would just think like, this is so fake. Like this, this doesn't make sense to me. 
I remember hearing sermons and it would just almost like go in my ear and then out my ear. And there were messages, there were sermons where I felt provoked emotionally, but it didn't really produce any long lasting responses. I was that guy that it, it, it would be like a dichotomy between the altar of like making a decision or having a powerful moment at church and then the door of the church. Like between the altar and the door, I would lose any bit of, I don't even know what the word would be, just any bit of progress, quote unquote, that was done within my heart to grow me and to lean me more into my creator. I would lose it all. It, it, it would just be like this emotional high, and then it would just like wear off. I heard somebody describe uh, sometimes a uh, religious experience as being like a carb overload. That like I you 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 eat a lot of carbs, and then you get a lot of this energy, but then you go home, and it's just like, oh, I need to crash. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I mean, that was cool what just happened, but like, and, and now I'm back in the real world, and. I don't know if I can really apply what it was that we were talking about or what I was thinking about. And that was me for about 16, 17 years of my life. It would just be like in the ear and out the ear. And I would call myself a Christian because at that moment when I was like five and six, I remember my mom telling me that you are a Christian now because you did A, B, and C, literally. And growing up, I would always say that I was a Christian. And it wasn't until the year 2011 where I could no longer run a, run away from that question of, okay, who is God? Who is God? And not only who is God, but who who is he to me? Like, what does, what does who he is have to do with me? Like, where do I fit into this? And does it even matter to me? And it wasn't until 2011 where I, I was face-to-face and I had to answer that question. I couldn't keep going forward in life until I answered that question. And when I describe this year, there's about three months that that led me to, that, to a moment in June 2011 where I finally had a reckoning with that question. And the three months were March, April, and May. I remember in March, my whole world just like blew up, like it imploded in my heart, in my mind, like everything that I thought couldn't happen began to happen. In the month of March, I found out that my parents who always were just tense growing up and there's just a lot of dysfunction within our household, a lot of love as well, um, just because there's dysfunction doesn't mean that there isn't love, but there was a lot of dysfunction in our home. And I always heard the word divorce getting thrown out, but it wasn't until March where that, that word became a reality. And I no longer was just hearing a word, but I became a statistic. And during the month of March, I found out that my parents were getting divorced. And this is hard enough on a child But what was even harder was that I was the only one in my family, you know, of course, besides my parents, that knew about this. And my parents didn't want me telling any one of my siblings. I have two older brothers, a younger sister, and a younger brother. And they didn't want me telling anybody, not only in our family, but anybody in the school district. My dad is a public school teacher within that county that we lived. 
And my dad just didn't want any one of the teachers in that county hearing about it because he wasn't ready yet to to kind of deal with that. And he was still processing it himself. And I just remember that just being a weight on me. I remember the day where my my mom, it was me and my mom in a car, and I was really upset with my mom. I was just like, mom, there's a lot of things that isn't making sense. And like, we need to talk about it. Like, I know what's going on. And I remember her saying, no, you don't know what's going on. I was like, no, I do know what's going on. And I just remember my mom looking at me. She's like, Jonah, you don't get it. You don't get it. And I was like, no, I do get it. I do get it. And she's like, no, you don't get it. Me and your father, we're done. We're done. We're done. And I remember just like looking at her and like, I was just like, no, no, no. I think I literally said that. And I was just like, no, 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 no. And I remember I just started weeping. I was just like, what? Like, what is happening? And like, it, I just remember my whole world just turning upside down. And there's a lot of other things that was kind of going on behind the scenes that was even more just like, what in the world? And that month of March was just hard. I just had all this stuff that I was dealing with. I couldn't talk to anybody about it. And that was March. And I remember I was in a year-long relationship with a girl that I was dating. This was junior year of high school. And I remember as a result of all of that just hard heaviness that was in my heart, in my mind of what was going on in my family, I remember I clung to her more than I ever have. And I remember just clinging to her and it wasn't a pure relationship. So I was confiding in her uh, physically. I was confiding in her like emotionally, mentally. I was like looking to her to be something that she could never measure up to. But, you know, we just kind of chalked it up to young love and everything. But I just remember, I just remember clinging to her more than ever. I was talking to her more. I was spending more time with her. And it was the day after prom and I just remember waking up with this just like sick feeling within me of just like something has to change. Something has to change. I didn't know what needed to change. I just I just knew that like I like I'm hurting. I'm hurting and I'm at a loss for words. And I don't know if I can continue this relationship. And I remember speaking with her the day after prom and long story short, we ended and this devastated her because around that time, like we were spending more time together and, and all this stuff. And all of a sudden we go from like a hundred to zero and it just broke her. And I remember just her weeping many, many, many times of just like, Jonah, what are you doing? Like, no, 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 we can make this work. We can make this work. We can make this work. But I, again, I just was like, it's so like overwhelmed, shell-shocked. It's almost like in the movies when a bomb goes off and all the person in the movie hears is ringing. Like that was what I was going through during the month of March and then April. So in April, we break up. And this drives me even deeper into this like pit of like, I don't have anywhere I can go. And because like she was the only one I was confiding in at that time. So March was the divorce and April was the breakup. And May was just so hard. It was just so heavy. And during the month of May, that was when I just was like at a loss. And I remember one night specifically, I was laying in bed. And I was questioning whether or not my life truly mattered. 
And I remember that night I started thinking about, okay, I don't feel like I have any reason to live. I might as well just take my life. And I remember that very clearly. I remember like exactly where I was at when I was thinking about these thoughts. And I was trying to think like, well, how would I take my life? And I started kind of going through the different things that I've seen in movies or heard about of ways that you can kill yourself. And I remember even then, just like by the grace of God, just like this little fleeting thought of like, no, 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 no. And I remember thinking about my older two siblings and uh, my younger brother and my younger sister. And by the grace of God, because of my siblings, I, I just didn't follow through that train of thought, even though it was very attractive to me at that time. But I remember that very same night that I thought about killing myself, I remember like a little voice in the back of my head basically just saying, whenever you reach your end, turn to Jesus. Whenever you reach your end, turn to Jesus. And I don't know if it was like a snippet from a sermon. At this time, we my family wasn't really going to church. So I don't know where I would have picked it up from. I don't know if it's something that I heard like years and years and years ago that was just now starting to kind of manifest in my head. And I, I just remember that thought. I couldn't get rid of it. Like whenever you reach your end, turn to Jesus. And as I was laying there in bed, I just was like, okay, God, if you are who you say you are, I need to know. I need to know if there's a time more than ever that I want an answer to this question of who are you and who am I, it's now. And that night, I remember I had this desire, this little desire to read the Bible. Because in my mind, the way to answer the question, if God is who he says he is, is to go to his word. And if I go to his word and I walk away still like, Lord, I, I don't get it, you know? then, okay, you know, I, Lord, you you aren't who you say you are. And, and that was my train of thought. And so I, I, was, I was, my personality always was not to just accept something just because it's being shared as quote unquote truth. And so I was like, Lord, I, I'm, I want to figure this truth out on my own. And so that night I remember I, I had the Bible on like an iPod at that time. And so I, I knew enough about the Bible to know that like, if I start at the beginning of the Bible, it'll be interesting until like the third chapter. And then it starts getting kind of boring. And then it's a little more interesting towards the end. And then the book of Exodus is just like really interesting, but then it kind of starts getting dull around like numbers and Leviticus and, and all those books. So I didn't want to start the Bible from the beginning. And there was like tons of times growing up that I tried to, you know, be that Christian guy and read the Bible and I gave up pretty quickly. And I just remember somehow, somehow the Lord led me to Psalms 139. And within Psalms 139, to this, to this day, it's my favorite passage in all of the Bible. And in Psalms 139, David is crying out to God and he's acknowledging the reality that, Lord, you know me. And you were there when I was in my mother's womb. Lord, you have a plan and purpose for my life that goes far beyond anything this world can offer. And the last two verses of Psalms 139 really hit me. It was Psalms 139, 23 to 24. And David cries out to God. And the couple verses right before this, he's like freaking out, being like, Lord, my enemies want to take my life. I'm done. I'm tired. Like, I, you know, I just want them to be gone. And then he just has this like random pivot in verse 23, and he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. And I remember as I was laying there in bed, that word anxious thoughts. And at the time I was reading through the uh, NIV translation and it uses that word anxious. And uh, I think many translations use that word anxious. And I remember just thinking like, God, I am so riddled with anxiety and just, I just feel numb and dead. And, and who are you? You know, if we're introducing ourselves here, God, who are you that you care about my anxious thoughts? Because right now, everybody in my life doesn't care. Everybody in my life, even if they do care, it's just a small fraction of caring because they have their own anxious thoughts that they're dealing with right now. I remember that night, my parents arguing downstairs and I can hear them as I'm having all these thoughts. And I was just thinking like, God, if I go downstairs right now and talk to my parents, like they won't be able to fully be present within my struggle and my hurt because they have their own struggle and hurt. And I remember just being so just in awe of, okay, like, who is this God? And I want to know this God, because like, this makes sense to me, that if you made me, it makes sense that you care. (laughs) You have to care. If you don't care, then like, why did you make me? And I remember that night, I didn't know where else to turn in the Bible. And somehow, I think I also kind of was exposed to Jeremiah 29, 13 that night. And in that passage, God is telling us, a anxious, overwhelmed Jeremiah. If you seek me with all of your heart, Jeremiah, I promise you will find me. And I remember even thinking that, like, God, I'm reaching out with all of my heart and you promise that I can find you. I'm going to trust you until I can't trust you anymore. And that night, I remember just thinking like, well, where do I start, God? Like, where do I start? If you, if, 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 if I want to know who you are, where do I start? And I remember that like he just put on my heart the book of Jonah. So I start reading the book of Jonah that night. And I remember for the first time in my life, I was reading the Bible, not trying to get something, but to understand who God is. This is meaningless if I don't see you. I don't care about behavioral modification. I can care less about that right now. I'll do anything to get me through the night. <laughs> you know, I'll do anything. I don't, I wouldn't even feel bad about it. You know, I'll, I'll do anything to get me over this hurt and this pain and this, you know, just overwhelming, just numbness. Like, I, I'll do anything, God. Like, so I'm not going to your word to be a better person. I'm going to the word because I need to know who you are. <laughs> and as I was reading the book of Jonah, it just hit me super quickly that like, my God, this is not just a story. Like I see myself in Jonah. Like you called Jonah, you have a plan and purpose for Jonah's life and Jonah could care less. He doesn't give a crap. He only cares about what he cares about and he cares about how he wants to do what he thinks he wants to do, how he thinks he wants to do it. And when I got to Jonah chapter two, after Jonah basically is suicidal and he's like, just throw me overboard. I don't give a crap. You know, like, I don't care about you, God. He, and he's, he deserves death. The Lord sends the fish in grace. And in the fish, Jonah chapter two is what Jonah's praying. And he cries out to God at the very end of this chapter. And he says, salvation comes from you. And he acknowledges that salvation doesn't come from his works. It doesn't come through him even just saying like, 
oh God, dang, I messed up. You know, like it, it doesn't come from that. It comes from God himself. God was the only one that could, for one, send the fish. And he's the only one that could provoke that fish to spit out Jonah. And at Jonah's bottom, he realized that. And I remember even that just like standing out to me. And I was just like, God, I want to know you. And again, there's this little like small, 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 small seed of just desire within me to know who God was. So that month of May, that night was a catalyst for the rest of the month of May of me every night reading the Bible. And again, my heart was, God, I want to know who you are. And I remember just falling so in love, and I do not mean this as a cliche, I was literally falling in love with Jesus. Like, this this guy is, like, so different. Like, he's the epitome of what I would want to be if I could have a magic wand of, like, who I would want to be. Like, I would want to be like Jesus, and I... And it wasn't even like the miracles that he was doing or anything like that that was really like kind of hitting my heart. It was more of how he talked with people. Because in my head, as a, I guess, a a cynical mindset of just how, I guess, my personality was, and even to a degree still is, like, I remember even thinking, like, if, if man made this up, like, there's a lot of ways that, like, man is, like, messing up like how they could have made the story better or how this person could have said this and that would have been a better thing to say than this or, you know, all this stuff. So like as that cynical mindset, as I was reading the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as I was reading the words of Jesus, I was just thinking that like there's so much that I would have changed about the other characters of the story, but there's nothing I would change about Jesus. He's just wise. And I remember one of the things standing out about Jesus was that like the way that he spoke with people that thought they knew things was just like profound. Like Jesus was such a smart Alec, like that he like he caught he he went to the heart. And I just remember every night just being like, my God, like you have to be real. And I just started growing in this like relationship. I didn't even know what the word relationship even was when it had to do with the relationship with Jesus. I had no idea about any of that. But like it was this relationship developing. And I started like even just praying crazy prayers like, Lord, like I want to meet you. Like I want to see you like they saw you in the Bible. Like I want to experience you like they've experienced you in the Bible. Lord, I want to have a confidence like these people are having a confidence. Like, and I just remember like praying all these things. So that was the month of May. And the month of May is also my birthday. So I remember that day as I was blowing out the candles uh, to my 17th birthday, I remember just like my wish was like, God, I want to know you. (laughs) And it's crazy because in the month of June, the Lord just set it all up in order for that to happen. And through March to June, it was really interesting because the Lord started putting people in my life that knew him. And I remember there's this girl that I started to get to know that went to a different school, and she actually asked me to go to, um, I guess, that junior prom at her school, which was, like, really crazy. 
and she was a follower of Christ. And so she knew a lot about Jesus. And I remember just being on the phone with her through the month of May and, and heading into June. I was on the phone with her a lot and I was just asking her questions. I was like a little kid and I was just like asking her questions and everything. And the, the sad thing is, is that now um, I, I don't think she professes to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But even that, it's like, God, you can use anybody to point anybody towards you. And uh, he, the, he definitely, I'm so grateful for her. She really helped me out a lot. And that led up into to June. And so the woman that I was previously dating, we broke up and it was devastating. But I was still friends with her because like, I mean, she was definitely a close friend. Like, you, you know, it's hard to go from something to nothing like that, you know, um, especially when you don't understand why. And so like we were still friends. So we were still talking the phone pretty regularly. And I would see her at school and we went to the same school. We were in the same grade. But there was this one night in June where we were on the phone. She confides in me and she's like, hey, Jonah, do you know this coach at our school? And I was just like, yeah, 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 I know him, yeah. And uh, she was just telling me that, like, Jonah, like, he texts me. Like, and I, I remember immediately kind of being like, ooh, like, I don't know about that, you know. Um, and this guy was, uh, this guy was not married or anything like that. So, like, red flags are kind of going off in my head. And uh, she was just like, yeah, we've been talking, and... I think we're going to go see a movie together. And I think it was a movie. It was something. We were going to do something together. And I remember just immediately being like, no, 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 no. Like, you don't want to go down this route. You don't want to go down this route. And around that time, there was a teacher in a neighboring school district that had an inappropriate relationship with a student. And that was, like, fresh in my head. And I was just like trying to appeal to her like, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. She was just like very sincere. Like she was like very convinced like it was okay. And I just, I don't remember how that conversation ended. I think I just like, it was almost like when you know you need to throw up and you're just like, okay, like the world needs to stop. I need to get off the phone. And so like we get off the phone and I remember that night going to bed and I went to bed and I was laying there in bed and I was like curled up in the fetal position, literally like rocking back and forth. And all that I can muster up was, Lord, take this from me. 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 And I remember just like rocking back and forth, weeping, weeping, weeping like I never wept before, weeping more than I wept when I found out about my parents' divorce, weeping more than when the breakup happened, weeping more than when a loved one or a family member died. And just weeping and weeping and weeping. And as I was there in bed, I remember just like, I literally like, I, I was hitting a wall. And I remember that night, it was, it was kind of cold. And I just remember having this like, this thought or this feeling kind of cross through my mind of Jonah, get out of bed. Jonah, get out of bed. And I remember immediately kind of fighting it because I was like, no, it's cold. But I finally get out of bed. I get on the knees of the floor of my bedroom and my, I, I shared a room with my little brother all the way through like sixth grade when we moved to this house and all the way through high school and me going off to college. But that night, even this was like the Lord orchestrating everything. That night, my little brother wanted to sleep in the room of one of my older brothers that went off to college. 
And so I had the room to myself. And here I am. It's like this, this, this is it. This is it. This is like, I am getting on my knees because Lord, I have nothing left. And I remember literally like in that moment, I remember my, I was thinking about something that I saw on YouTube a couple months before of this politician, I think back in the eighties, he called this press conference and he handed out all these envelopes and in the envelopes was basically his last will. And in his envelope was the revolver. And I just, I remember seeing this video of this politician putting the revolver to his mouth and you hear everybody in the, in the crowd, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But put the revolver down. Cause I think the politician was facing corruption charges and he was claiming innocence. He was like, I didn't do it. Uh, but I guess, you know, he was just like, I'm, I'm done. So live TV, this politician takes a revolver and straight up just shoots himself and you see the aftermath. And I remember as I was there on my knees, I didn't want to take my life, but I didn't want to get off the ground the same person that got on the ground. Like I wanted to stop living. I didn't want to be the one that took my life though. And I was there on the floor and I just remember like tunnel vision, like everything started to get dark around me. And I remember I'm on my knees, I'm sobbing. And I remember that the, me like even seeing the snot coming out of my nose and the tears and like, it was just like nasty. And I remember, I think that was what made me think about that politician because I remember the politician, the amount of blood coming out of his body, it was just like, whoa. Like it was like a raging river. And as I was there on my knees, the snot coming from my nose was like a raging river. I was thinking about all that has led me to this moment. Not only all of the sins or the brokenness of other people in my life, but I was thinking about my own sins, my own just brokenness, the manipulation, the lies, the deceit, the selfishness, all that has led me to this moment. And I just remember feeling so much grief over my brokenness and the brokenness around me. And I just remember, <laughs> I just remember like a little phrase. I didn't, there's like no sinner's prayer, no ABCs. It was just like heart to heart with my creator, savior, sustainer. And I remember literally saying, Jesus, I got myself here. If you can do something with my life, you can have it. You can have it. And I remember in that moment, almost like all of that darkness like became light. And I just remember like feeling the presence I can't explain it, guys. I felt like the presence of God in my room. And I remember like immediately receiving. At the time, I couldn't put a word to it. <laughs> the only word I can put to it now is joy. Joy. Like in my brokenness, in my death, when I cried out the name of Jesus, I received joy. I received life. I received purpose. I received identity. I received hope. And in that moment, I remember literally crying out in joy. And I remember I started laughing and I was just like bowing. And like in my head, I literally was like, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God almighty. And I just was like trembling and just like quivering. And I just started bowing and I remember like praising the Lord, like for the first time of my life, there was worship, there was worship, there wasn't self-pity, there wasn't all of that, it was worship, like nothing else mattered 
but Jesus. <laughs> Nothing else mattered but Jesus. And I remember even in that moment, like being surprised by what was happening and just being like in my head, like I, I like had just like this awe and worship and outside it was like gibberish. It was like, blah, blah, blah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that was probably a bad example of what it sounded like. Maybe it sounded like, I don't know. Um, but I was just like a little baby and I was crying out to God and yeah, like it, it was just crazy. And so I'm crying out to God and I'm bowing <laughs> and I'm just literally like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And I just remember getting into bed and there was something that I typed in my iPod. Uh, I was so grateful for that little iPod because I was able to like, it was like a little journal even before I ever journaled, but it, it was literally a journal where I could just like vent my thoughts. And I wrote down something in my journal and I wanted to read it to you right after this moment happened. And this is what I said. I said this, Jonah, everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. It's funny if you think about it. Stop, think. You will look back at this and laugh because God is taking care of you. You are an amazing person and you will be happy. Everything is already planned. There is no need to worry. God already has taken care of it all. You are special. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. You have a future and you have a purpose. What's so interesting about what I wrote down here is that everything before that moment that I felt like I did not have in this moment, I had. For instance, I talk about having a future. Before that moment with Jesus, what was the future that I had? I wanted to blow my brains out. There was no future. That was literally what I cried out to God. I said, Lord, if you could do something in my life, you can have it. And so I didn't have a future. A purpose? Like, what was my purpose? I didn't know what my purpose was. I felt like I was taking up space. But then I leave the floor and the purpose is in Jesus. So I call out, and again, just, just walk with me. If Jesus is not real, then in a moment, my mind produced a future. My mind produced a purpose. And my mind produced a hope. Like what? Like a hope? Everything will be okay? Like in that moment, I thought everything was not okay. But like my mind produced the hope. So here, here, like this is what's so crazy about what I wrote is that like everything that I did not have just even 15 minutes before that, I, my mind produced that. You tell me how I received joy in the absence of joy. You tell me how I received hope in the absence of hope. You tell me how I received purpose in the absence of purpose. Guys, I am telling you that he is who he says he is, and he is alive. <laughs> he is the creator, savior, sustainer that you and I look for and long for. And, and, and even this, Jonah, everything will be okay. It's funny if you think about it. Stop, think. You will look back at this and laugh because God is taking care of you. In this moment of me calling out the name of Jesus, saying, Lord, take my life, there was this exchange that happened. And no longer was it me that was the source of my happiness. No longer was it me that was the source of my purpose. No longer was it me that was the source of my hope or my future or even my identity. But it was Jesus. I remember thinking in that moment, 
none of my external circumstances have changed. But everything internally has changed. My external circumstances no longer was my God. The, the external circumstances no longer had power over the joy that only Jesus can bring. A peace that surpasses all understanding. <laughs> my external circumstances was no longer the driving force of that. And there's so much more that I can share with you. But 10 years ago, 10 years ago, that moment happened. As I'm recording this, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, and as I look back over my life of these 10 years, guys, there is nothing that I'd rather spend my time telling you than Jesus is real and that he loves you and that there is a plan and purpose for your life that goes so far beyond anything this world can offer. What happened to me that night in my room was not a fluke. It was not because I'm special. But everything that happened to me can happen to you as well. And it begins with a desire and it begins ultimately with a surrender. Heavy heart, what today, where does today find you? Is there anything on your heart, on your mind that you have not yet surrendered to your creator, savior, sustainer? Are there terms that you are putting on your relationship with your creator, savior, sustainer that are of your own? Guys, I am I'm here to tell you, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it all go and take hold of something so much greater, someone so much stronger than anything that you can muster up on your own. Guys, we are all little kids trying to figure this out. And that night in my room, I didn't know what happened immediately. I didn't know all the, the terms. But the Bible talks about, Jesus talks about in John chapter 3 to a man named Nicodemus. He talks about being born again, being born again. And when we cry out to Jesus in defeat and we die to ourselves, the Bible says we are born again, not from natural birth, not from crawling up in our mother's womb, but by bringing the death that our sin produces. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So we bring our death to the God of resurrection. And through Jesus, through his perfection, his righteousness, he takes that death and exchanges it for life. On the cross, he took your death and my death, your sin and my sin. On the cross, he died the death that we deserve. He paid the price for your sin and my sin. And so when we call out to him, we exchange our nothing for his everything. <laughs> everything in my life I would have missed if it wasn't for Jesus. Everything. Me talking to you right now, I would never have been talking to you if it wasn't for that moment, June 2011. So heavy heart, no matter where today finds you, if you've never cried out to Jesus, today can be the day. You don't have to have all the answers. It just has to be a genuine heart of humility and surrender saying, Lord, take it. I'm done. I let go. Lead me. 
<laughs> you know, Psalms 139, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. Lord, my life is yours. There's an exchange that just happened. And that's all that it takes. And if you are a follower of Christ and you're watching or listening to this, guys, we are in this together. We are in this together. And we are not, we are not born again just so that we can start being comfortable. We are born again so that we give our lives for Jesus, <laughs> you know? So may we today pray those dangerous prayers saying, God, you know, help me, help me know you more. Help me want to know you more, you know? Show me the things in my life that are not of you and break my heart over it. You know, help me reflect you more. God, the people in my life that I need to make amends with, that I need to ask for forgiveness, Lord, break my heart until I do. Lord, help help those around me see you when they see me. Lord, I don't want, I don't want to go through this life just on my own accord, you know? Heavy heart. You are loved. 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 Jesus, Lord God, just thank you so much for what happened back in June 2011. God, thank you for that moment. Lord, everything changed. <laughs> everything changed. I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. Lord, there are people that claim you, that have hurt me in these 10 years. There are moments that I've even felt hurt by you, God. Things that you've taken from my life, things that I feel like has been done that I don't fully understand. But Lord, at the end of the day, what I do understand is that, Lord, you are good. <laughs> Lord, you are real. And you met me that night in my room and you are here now. You are here now. Lord, may we see you. May we see you. Lord, you are forever holy. And we can't wrap our head around it, but Lord, we surrender. And it's to your name and it's for your name that we pray and we surrender, Jesus. Amen. 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 There's so much more that I wanted to talk about. To be honest with you, this was supposed to be like the first part of what I really felt led to talk about, but I'm going to have to split this up. So this is going to have to be like a two-part episode. I wanted to end today's episode with a song by a band that has been ministering to me so much, but the name of the band is The Glorious Unseen. And this song specifically was my most played song of last year. And the name of the song is Forever Holy, Forever Holy. And this, this specific live version is a medley between two of their songs and Forever Holy and a song called Awakening. Heavy heart, you are not alone. And even though we struggle at times to wrap our head around our creator, savior, sustainer, he is forever holy. And he is inviting you and me into a relationship, into a life that is so much more than anything this world can offer. May this song minister to you today. God, you stand
Oh, right.